everybody. This is David Perkins. You're listening to the Desperation Podcast. Join us this summer for the Desperation Conference at New Life Church in Colorado Springs, July 9th through 11th. For more information and resources, go to desperationonline.com. Man, I am so excited to be here. So glad to be here. Brandon, Octavia, he's my boy. I love Brandon. Brandon actually went and spoke at a youth ski trip that we had. Had an amazing time. I'm telling you, Brandon is probably the most talented youth pastor in the nation. I'm not joking. I'm being serious. Yeah, yeah, he he feels that. He is so talented and gifted. I'm telling you, if you think he can preach, give me an amen. Come on. That boy can preach. That boy can sing. Give me an amen. Yeah. That boy can ski. (laughs) No, I'm telling you, he is just so gifted, so, so talented. But, you know, at our youth ministry in Amarillo, close to, it's a small town, so I'll just say Amarillo for your brain. You probably don't even know where that is, the panhandle of Texas. But uh, we always get your weather, man. If nasty weather comes through, it just sweeps down and and hits us. But, you know, Brandon, he he came down. We like to have fun at our youth ministry. We like to dance a little bit, get down with it. And so we were going to teach Brandon to dance. And Brandon's like, no, no, I don't dance, man. And I'm like thinking in my head, like, this guy can sing, this guy can preach, you know? And I'm like, no, really, come here, Brandon. He's like, dude, I don't dance. I'm like, this brother's got soul. I'm a white boy. I shouldn't be able to dance. I know he's got rhythm. He can dance. So all of a sudden, he's like, dude, I don't dance. The music started, and he just let it go. And he just rocked that. I knew he was just full of it. But uh, he, he can get down. And, man, we had such an amazing time with him coming. And you see... Desperation means so much to me. See, this is a big moment in my life. It's kind of crazy. See, five years ago, I got into full-time ministry. I had no idea what I was doing. I was from the, the world of business. My wife and I adopted her brother and sister. They came from a broken home of meth, different things like that. And we were raising them. So we were just serving in ministry. But God put a calling in my life to be a pastor. So one thing I learned in business Find what other people are doing that are successful, pattern yourself after that, and you will find success. So in youth ministry, no idea what I was doing, came across DSM, Desperation Student Ministries, David Perkins. We got any David Perkins fans in here? Yeah. That's my boy right there. Got to drink a coffee with him today. And I'll tell you, it literally changed my life. The passion, even seeing you guys worship tonight, just the passion, the prayer. I'm like, that's what I can do. I can't preach that well, but man, I could be passionate. I could pray. I could do these things. So it just influenced our life. And even our student ministries, we saw an amazing thing take place. We had students that would worship around the school, pray around the school. And it wasn't just a small group. It was people that were just living it up, having an amazing time. And I'll tell you, DSM was a direct reflection of what took place. See, one thing that I do want you guys to know, you had, you could not get a better youth pastor in Brandon. I promise you that you got all the tools, but here's the thing. You guys can literally affect the nation. 
You see, you can get caught up in your world and what's going on in DSM. But I'm telling you, if there is a fire lit in Desperation Student Ministries, it is contagious. I can't do that in Pampa, Texas. You can do that. And people are looking for your leadership. And I'm telling you, I believe God is just getting ready to bring a wave of things through this group, through you guys. And I'm telling you, I'm excited. This is... Again, this is just a cool, cool night for me. Um, my wife and I just got back from vacation Friday. So I don't do a tanning bed. I just got some good sun when we were in Florida. But I went down to Florida, and we went to Disney World. Any Disney World fans? Yeah. You got a Mickey Mouse shirt on under that or no? No Mickey Mouse? I, you're such a big you know, Disney World fan. I thought you'd wear a Mickey Mouse shirt. I don't know. I, I have one. I'll just say that. But, uh, you know, we, we have a five-year-old daughter, a two-year-old daughter. They mean the world to me, man. And they're just a fun, my daughters are amazing. They're just fun to hang out with. Has anybody um, seen the show Fantasmic? Anybody? Uh, a little bit, a couple of you guys. Dude, a crazy good show. And at the very end, Disney was at the, or Mickey Mouse came to the top of this mountain. He was on the top and there's crazy things going on. All of a sudden he disappeared, appeared on the bottom. He talked about magic. Then he disappeared. And my five-year-old daughter literally went, wow, that's amazing. Like that just blew her mind. She's like, what just happened right there? So the next day we were driving to Clearwater, Florida and she was in the car and she said, daddy, do you know how magical Disney was? She said, how much more magical is it that God created our bodies? And I was like, Wow, that's amazing. A five-year-old little girl that just came out of her mouth. And it reminded me of what I would say was a stoner experience in my Christian faith. Let me explain. You see, prior to me coming to the Lord, I was a wild kid, play college football, just did a lot of stupid things, but I was a pothead. You know, I, I st- did a lot of stupid things. You know, came from a successful family, but a broken family. My father was a drug addict. I'm close to my dad today, but brought so much hurt and pain that no one knew. You know, they always oh, got all the money in the world. They had no idea the pain that I experienced in the journey of my life. But, you know, so we had all these things. And I always heard in life or in church, it's not about religion. It's about relationship. And I always wondered what they were smoking because it made no sense to me. What are you doing? It's not about, it's about relationship or singing a song, reading a Bible. And you're telling me it's about a relationship. I see no one having a relate. We're just singing songs and going through the motions. That was my Christian life. So all of a sudden I met my bride. We were in Jacksonville, Florida. My life was just going crazy. You know, I left college football to pursue business and, uh, it just, things weren't going the way I thought they would meant to go. Didn't really care about life anymore. And I told my, my girlfriend, my wife, I said, I feel like my life is in chaos right now. And all of a sudden I walked into a church. They're called a vineyard church. I call them Christian hippies, you know, and all of a sudden they were singing songs, but they were singing to God. I'm sure some of you are in here tonight. Like, Dude, what's going on with some of these people? You know, they're jumping, they're dancing, they're shouting. You know, they're singing to God. I saw something different about them. But at the very end of his message, he said, if you feel like your life is in chaos, I want you to come forward. 
Man, <laughs> that's me. I've never heard anybody ever say that to this day, if you feel like your life. And that was word for word. So I had to come forward. And when I came forward, I'm telling you, my heart about ripped out of my chest. I didn't know what was going on. I just felt it just beating, beating. And at that moment, I gave my life to the Lord. I said, Lord, you're real. I feel you. I experienced you. Then that night, I had a dream. And I won't go into the details of it, but in that dream, I heard God's voice. And I woke up. That was the first time I ever even knew that God was really real and alive. You see, the only thing that separates our religion from anything else is that Jesus is alive. That it. He's living. Come on. He wants to have an encounter with you. So that next morning, I woke up, and I'm telling you, I felt like I had a shot of adrenaline running through my veins. I'm like, man, this is amazing. God spoke to me, and I went outside to have a quiet time, opened my Bible for the very first time, really, in my life, and I sat down, and all of a sudden, I just looked up in the sky. I go, whoa, there's a cloud. <laughs> God, you made that cloud. You put that cloud right there. Why did you do that? Why did you, what is a cloud even made of? I know what it's, but you, why'd you do that? You made that cloud. Then almost like out of that cloud came a bird. I'm like, oh my goodness, you made that bird. That bird is flying. How did you do that? Like what's going on right now? I begin to see something different. I begin to see through the eyes of the creator, the eyes of the creation. A veil was taken off my eyes. And all of a sudden I'm sitting there. I remember in science class, they're talking about the, the earth orbiting going like 40,000 miles an hour. I'm like, dude, we're going 40,000 miles an hour and I don't feel anything. God, you made, that is crazy. Like it was literally blowing my mind. Then the, I felt the heat of the sun. I'm like, man, God, you made that sun. And it's hitting me. If it'd be any closer, we'd be burned up. Like it was just, that's what I was saying, my stoner experience that I had with God. Then all of a sudden I go to turn my Bible. And all of a sudden I go, how did I just do that? I know my brain just told my hand to reach down and grab that. But what's telling my brain, like, God, what are you doing right now? And I'm like sitting there going, whoa. <laughs> And I swear, I'm not exaggerating whatsoever. And I want you to know, God is real, alive, wants to meet you and have an encounter with you. All right, well, hey, let's pray tonight. Father, we thank you. We praise you, Lord. We thank you that you are the living God, that you desire to meet with us and have a connection point. And Lord, I am thankful that you are continuing to pursue every single one of us. Even in our darkest moments, you're there knocking at the door. So Father, I'm nothing without you. Give me your mind. Give me your words. Give me your thoughts. Father, open the hearts to hear what you have for them. In Jesus' name, amen. Give me a good amen again. We don't, we don't do that, man. I need to bring Brandon with me for a weekend. I'll get my whole church doing that. I guarantee it. I love, love, love Brandon. All right. Have any of you ever told a white lie? Yes. How many told your parents a white lie tonight? Mostly. <laughs> I know, I know how that goes. Like, hey, mom and dad, I'm going to go to my girlfriend's house. Oh, okay, great. We'll tell their parents I said hi. Okay. 
And you're kind of the, the lie in that is mom and daddy aren't home. You know, we, we decide in white lies what we decide to tell and if they're going to be full truth or not. You see, we have a real enemy in Satan. He is the great deceiver. See, his mission is to still kill and destroy anything that matters to the heart of God. That's his mission in life. Kill anything that matters to the heart of God. And he'll do it really in two ways. He will straight up tell you lies. My daughter's five years old and she hears the voice of God, but there's also an enemy that speaks to her. She even came to my wife and I said, Mom and dad, Satan told me that you guys don't love me. She even said one time, Satan told me that Jesus doesn't love me. And we said, well, what is he? he? She goes, he's a liar and I'm not believing him. At five years old, <laughs> dude, she was actually preaching in my living room this, uh, today, or before we got here. I loved it. I was having so much fun with that. But he'll also tell you lies or he will take the truth and manipulate it enough in a way to destroy you. Tonight, I want to talk to you about a truth. This is a little personal to myself, a truth that the enemy literally tried to destroy my life. But it's a truth that God can use to set you free. And that truth is you will never be good enough. Does anybody feel better? (laughs) You will never be good enough. No matter how hard you work, you can never please God with your best attempts at righteousness. You see, if you've been in church long enough, you kind of know that we're not good enough because we need a savior. That's why God sent his son, Jesus, because we needed something more that we could not get. I think we all, if you've been in church, you do understand that. But how does that play out in our lives? If you've, especially if you've given your life to the Lord, when all of a sudden Brandon's up here, you know, he's dancing, he's singing. What else are you doing, Brandon? No, he's, he's up here and he's inviting, hey, I'm looking for student leaders, people that want to lead a life group. And there's something inside saying, man, I should do that. And all of a sudden you hear this voice that says, what do you know about the Bible? What if they ask you a theological question? What are you going to answer? How are you going to answer that? What are you going to do? You're going to lead them astray. You don't know enough about the, how can you be a leader? How can you lead people? You're not good enough. Or all of a sudden he has that same call and there's some inside of you and you're saying, oh, I should do that. But all of a sudden you hear this voice that says, you remember what you were looking at last night? You remember those decisions that you were making? Do you remember what you were thinking about just like 20 minutes ago in worship? <laughs> You're a pervert. <laughs> you can't do that. You can't, you can't be a leader. You're not good enough. Guys, I've had those lies spoken to me over and over again. So here's the thing. This is something that I love. In order for me to realize what God wants me to be, to be that, I had to realize what I could never be, and that is good enough for Jesus Christ. It's only through, I'm sorry, good enough, and it's only through Jesus Christ, that it and that alone. See, here's the thing. It's not bad news when you see it through the eyes of God, realizing that I can't please God with my works. Because here it is. If you realize that, it can free you to serve God, not trying to gain his approval, but serve God out of the approval that you have in Jesus Christ. I'm telling you, that right there can literally change 
everything. And if you didn't get it right there, I promise you I'm going to say it again and again through tonight. See, I want to look at some of the greatest leaders of our faith that didn't feel like they were good enough. We have Genesis 18, 27. Abraham answered and said, behold, I have undertaken to speak to the Lord. I am but dust and ashes. Abraham, the father of us all, says, I am nothing but dust and ashes. And we have Isaiah. I love the book of Isaiah. And I even love this passage out of Isaiah chapter six. And this is Isaiah. He sees God and his response is woe to me. I am ruined. And he goes on to say, I'm a man of unclean lips. And I dwell in the midst of people with unclean lips for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Isaiah sees God and his response, God, I am not good enough. Then all of a sudden, Peter, he's fishing and he sees Jesus. Jesus said, cast your net on the other side. He catches nothing all night and he pulls up tons of fish. And all of a sudden, Peter's response in Luke 5, 8 says, when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knee saying, depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. Before the Lord, I am a sinful man. And we see Paul they wrote two thirds of the New Testament. We see in First Timothy one sixteen, the saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of who I am the foremost. What he's saying, I am the least deserving of the grace of God. I have a scripture tonight that can literally set some of you free, and I guarantee a lot of you have heard it before. Romans three twenty three. For all, how many? All have fallen short of the glory of God. You see, one area in my life that I can kind of pride myself, and I really pride myself, is health and fitness. That's what I did for a long time. I worked for a food science nutrition company. I did personal training. This boy's drinking his water. He knows what he's doing. You know, so I, I enjoy health and fitness. You know, I take care of, I don't eat junk food. I don't eat bad food. But I was traveling with my wife, my daughters. We were headed up from Texas to Missouri. Any Missouri people? Yeah. My boy's got a Missouri shirt on. Yeah. See my friend. So I'm from Missouri. I was going to see family and I was traveling through. It's the worst city in the United States, Tulsa, Oklahoma. It is awful. It is awful. Awful. Every time I either get mugged or people ask me money every time I stop. But you know, so I'm traveling through Tulsa. My kid, there's always construction going on. My kids are screaming just at the top. They're a little bit younger. I'm like, I am not stopping in Tulsa. My wife, Andrew, you got to stop. And I'm like, I'm not doing it. So we're going, my kids are hungry. You know, they're screaming and crying. My wife's screaming. I'm crying, you know, so we're good. We finally, make it through Tulsa and there's a truck stop that had a McDonald's and I'm like, ah, McDonald's, come on. But there's nothing else outside of Tulsa. So we stopped at the McDonald's. We grabbed some food. You know, I, for some reason, got chicken McNuggets. And I don't know. <laughs> I got, <laughs> the pink sludge. I got chicken McNuggets. They were cold. Not, I mean, awful experience. The fries were like limp and cold. The hot mustard stinking rock. That's the only good thing at McDonald's, the hot mustard. Just saying. So I get all this food. I eat it down. My kids eat. And all of a sudden, we hit the road in silence. McDonald's. <laughs> Come on. 
Hit the road and it's silence. My girls are sleeping. I put on my headphones. I'm listening to a podcast, just having a good time. You know, my wife, she's snoozing in her beauty drool, you know, just she's out. You know, so we're hitting the road and all of a sudden about an hour till I get to Joplin, my stomach goes. I'm like, whoo, my body wasn't liking that food too much. And I see a gas station. I'm like. You know, I could probably go, but my kids are sleeping, man. I haven't had this much peace in a while, so I just keep on down the road. And I get about 20 miles outside of Joplin. All of a sudden it goes, you know, it's just like, oh, man, there's something stirring in my belly right now. So the more the rumbling took place, the faster I begin to go. You know, actually, I was like booking a 95, 100, just getting down the road, man. I was like, I got to go. So I pull off in Joplin, the first exit that I saw, and there was a truck stop, but they had a stoplight to get in front of the, I'm like, that never, ha- why is there a stoplight right now? So all of a sudden my body has this thing that says, you have five minutes <laughs> left. <laughs> five minutes. So I'm like, okay, here we go. I got, but so I pull into the gas station and my girls are sleeping. I'm like, I got to go bathroom, but I got to get the gas tank going, you know, just so it's a quick process, get back on the road. So I get out and I'm down to probably about three minutes right now. So I I go and I get my debit card out. I put my debit card in. I type in my pin number and all of a sudden ask me a question. It's like, what's your zip code? 7906. Why would you, I just took my pin number. Why do you need my zip code? So then, okay, I type that in and ask me for another question. Would you like a car wash? No, something's going to need to be washed. You don't hurry up. No, I don't want a car wash. Ask me another question. Would you like a coupon? No, I don't want a coupon. So I'm holding the nozzle, just waiting to put it in, to get the gas going and ask me another question. It says, would you like to be a member of Philip 66? No, I don't. I want to be a member of Philip 666. And I just drop that nozzle. I get about halfway to the gas station. And all of a sudden I hear that recalculating. You have one second left. So at that moment, I have to make a decision. Do I sprint and go guns a blazing or do it like that tight speed walk? You know, just, well, I did a little bit of both. It was like, this lady opened the door. She's like, what the heck is going on right now? So I called my wife from the bathroom. I said, baby, I fell short (laughs) in my pants. So I need some clothes. I need everything. So here's the deal. I was fit, healthy, feeling good. And I fell short. Your buddy, Brandon, the best youth pastor in all of America. I'm telling you, he can fall short. Every single one of you will have a blowout at some point. So all of a sudden, you have that mistake. Yay, don't, I, how many people, I know some people never had that. It's only happened five times since I've been 20. So anyways, but all right. <laughs> anyways, so I know some of you, all of a sudden, you make that stupid choice. You fall short. You mess up. You make a mistake. And that voice that comes up and says, are you kidding me? 
You're not good enough. And what the enemy will do, he will take the truth of Romans 3.23 and he will try to bring condemnation into your life. And what it does, it slips us into what I call a performance trap. And we take this idea, if I could only be a little bit better, you know, if I just don't eat McDonald's, if I just work a little bit harder, all these things will fall into place. So we feel this false sense of pride like, oh, everything's going good. I'm doing good. Or we have this false sense of condemnation. Ah, I'm not doing so good right now. See, if there's anybody that could have said that they had the pressure of a performance trap, that would be Paul. You see, Paul, he, this is in Philippians, we see what I would call the resume of righteousness. In Philippians 4, it says, Though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also, if anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. So I was circumcised on the eighth day. You had to be to do that to be a Judaizer of the people of the tribe of Benjamin. I was a Hebrew of Hebrew. That's like him saying that, hey, my grandpa, my great grandpa was Billy Graham and my grandma on the other side was Mother Teresa. So he's saying I had like the best bloodline that you could have. And all of a sudden he goes on to say, as to the law, a Pharisee. See, that would have wowed people in his day. And he actually studied under the number one Pharisee, Gamaliel, at the time. So he was like the top dog in his faith. And as to zeal, I was passionate, a persecutor of the church, as righteous under the law, blameless. You see, it wasn't just 10 commandments that he was living his life by. There was over 600 commandments at the time. And Paul was saying that not one person could point a finger and say, I didn't fulfill this law. He's saying, I am better than you, is what he's saying. I have all the confidence. I did it. I lived it out. You see, again, Paul, he lived his life in a performance trap. He had confidence in his works. And how does that play in our world today? There's two ways we fall into a performance trap. Is one, we attempt to please God by following rules. You see, I've been a part of five different denominations. The same Bible, different pastors, but all of them had different sets of rules. Kind of blew me away. So this church, I'm doing good. This church, uh, not doing so good. They all had different sets of rules that they lived there. So in essence, it's almost like there's a false standard of rules that people are living their life by. You know, we need to live our life by the truth and the word of God, but not, you know, we see denominations that put that out there. But really what happens is if we're doing good, we're feeling good about ourselves. So by what I do or what I don't do, so I prayed, I tithe, okay, God, and you're my boy, we're doing great. Or by what I don't do, it's like, hey, I, I only go see PG-13 movies. I won't watch a rated R movie unless it's a military movie and there's no sexual content. You know, we get into all these, we justify ourselves. That's the only reason I'll see a rated R movie. Or I don't listen to secular music. You know, I, I, I don't smoke, I don't chew, you know, I don't do all those things. So I'm doing pretty good. And again, we, we, we have this doing good, feeling good, not doing good, not feeling so good. The second area of a performance trap is my worth is based on what I produce and how I perform. You see, all of you are students. You got the good grade. You're performing well. What happens when you don't? 
What happens when you get that bad grade? I remember, and I was an athlete, played college football, and I remember in Little League Baseball, there was an all-star team, and I made the all-star team, and there were some older guys that were in the dugout. I was stepping up to plate, and all of a sudden, I heard them say, hey, I bet Andrew hits a home run. And the guy said, well, I'll bet you a soda he does. So they're, and they're, they're young, I was young, and he's like, they're saying, hey, Andrew, if you hit a home run, we're going to buy you so or get a soda or whatever. So I'm up there, like, you know, feeling confident in myself, step up, and I won't go into the details, but strike three comes and just whiff. And all of a sudden, I cried like a little baby. <laughs> just wet. Just cry. You know, this big muscular man at eight years old just crying because I wanted to perform so bad. I don't really know what it looks in, like in your life. If you're the athlete or the, the scholar, the skateboard, I don't know what you guys do around here. But, you know, we all have this issue of trying to perform. I do know what it looks like as a pastor. How was my sermon? Well, two people fell asleep during my message, but after service, I did get three high fives. How good was my message? Even though one was my wife and one was my daughter, but hey, I still got three high fives. You know, so we, we always, we, we can beat ourselves up. Am I right, Brandon? How did I do? Did I perform well? Because here's the thing. A lot of ministries are, are built through Jesus Christ, but God using people. So you don't want to mess things up. And then all of a sudden, hey, the church is going well. The youth group's going well. I'm doing pretty good. The youth group ain't, the youth group ain't going so well. I must not be doing so good. <laughs> we judge ourselves by our worth and how we perform. See, Paul is saying, I outperformed everybody. If anybody could have been good enough, it was my, it was me. But he says, my religious works, my religious works were nothing but scubula. What's scubula? Let's find out. So Philippians 4 verse 7 says, but whatever, whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as lost, all my works, all my performance, because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. You see, that word knowing, I'm telling you, it just literally messed me up when I heard that. You see, when Adam, it says, Adam knew Eve. It wasn't like, hey, he knew her hair color. No, he knew her through marriage, through intimacy. Their spirits became one. That same word Paul was saying, it's not about religious works. It's about intimacy with God and truly knowing God. So he says, knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for his sake, I suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish. Well, the word there is actually scubula. The Greek word translated is rubbish. And so I, I, I count them as scubula in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Check this out. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. You see, the righteousness I have cannot be on my own. It is only by faith in Jesus Christ. So what does that really mean? I can never work my way to please God. I can never stop sinning my way to please God. The only way that you can please God is by the perfect work of his son, Jesus Christ. I'm telling 
Tony, that is good, good news right there. She knows that's good news right there. You see, it's not Jesus plus good works. It's not Jesus plus coming to church. It's not Jesus plus not sinning. It's Jesus plus nothing. And when you get that and the enemy comes up and says, you're not good enough, you can say, I know, because it's all about Jesus. That it, that alone. I'm telling you, that can literally change everything right there. Oh man, oh man. (laughs) Jesus says, or not Jesus, Paul said, my religious works were nothing but scubula. (laughs) What does scubula mean? It means something thrown out to the dogs. The King James version means dung. So that's a street version, poop. (laughs) <laughs> and it's actually a harsher version than poop. It was actually considered a curse word at the time. So I'm not going to say the word that I'm thinking he might have meant. But Paul is saying, my religious efforts are nothing but junk. They're trash. They need to be thrown out to the dogs. <sighs> I went through a season. I'm a youth pastor, also a pastor of adults. And I always say, man, if I do my part and I put in my work, God will do his. And I would always say that. And I think my heart was good in it. But how dumb is that statement? If I do my work, okay, then God can do his work through me. I would always say that statement. And all of a sudden, God would, would, I'm an over-prepared, always prepare for things. Then all of a sudden, God put me in places where I couldn't prepare for things. And I just had to shoot from the hip. And I hated doing that. Or I would be studying the Word of God. And all of a sudden, He would say, hey, stop preparing. I'm like, why, God? It's like, just stop preparing. So I would think, one time in my life, He told me to come to a platform. And I said, Lord, I don't know what to say. He said, I'm going to speak through you. And he literally gave me a word, I spoke it. Gave me a word, I spoke it. And it was very intellectual and very good. And I was like, oh man, this is amazing. Wow, this is amazing. So that happened. Then all of a sudden I got in places where I'm like, God would say, don't prepare. So I step up on the platform like, okay, God, this is your time, baby. And I would speak and it would be awful. It was like nothing happened. God didn't speak to me. I felt like he let me out to dry. And all of a sudden, every confidence that I had in myself was shot and lost. I just began to lose and just begin to doubt myself. And all of a sudden, I had a man that came and prayed for me. He said, Andrew, the Lord wants you to know out of your weakness, he is going to begin to show his strength. See, my whole philosophy on preparing is different. I'm not preparing so God will do his work. God's already done his work, so now I'm just the outflow of when I prepare. Again, here, here's the key thought tonight. Is that we are not living our life to gain the approval of Christ. If you've given your life to him, you're living your life out of the approval of Christ. You see, here's what happens so many times. In Revelation chapter 22, we see a description of the new heaven and the new earth. 
And all of a sudden, the new Jerusalem, I'm sorry, the, the new earth, and we see the new Jerusalem come down to the earth, and out of the throne, it says, comes living water. And everything that water touches brings life, brings healing. You see, we can access things of the kingdom of God right now on earth. But here's what we do as Christians. This was me as a pastor. Okay, I get in that water, and I try to swim to the throne of God. So I'm swimming, I'm going, I'm working hard. All of a sudden, I have a bad day, and I get shot downstream. Then I begin to swim again. I'm trying a little bit harder, and I do something dumb. I make a bad choice, and I fall downstream. And I just begin to wear myself out and just begin, oh, I'm not good enough. I can't do this. When you're living your life out of the approval of God, what begins to happen? You are flowing down the stream with God, and everything that touches that stream produces life, wholeness, and wealth. I'm telling you, it is a powerful deal. Here's what it looks like. I have people ask me all the time, how do I get help with pornography? How do I get help with this issue? How do I get help with this right here? And the Lord gives me one scripture, and I tell them, I could set boundaries with you. I can help you make decisions, but I'm putting a Band-Aid on the cause. Jude one twenty four says, To him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you to his glory, our Father, glorious, pure, and spotless. I'm telling you, it is him. So if you have an issue in your life and you want freedom from, it's not anything else but him. That it. Come on. And I'm getting ready to close right here. I'd like to invite the worship team up here tonight. Galatians 1, 6, 16 says, But when God called me by his grace, the biggest mistake we make as believers is when we say, But when I, but when I stop sinning, I can do this. But when I start reading my Bible a little bit more, I could be used by God. No, it's but when God called you by his grace. Do you know that Jesus wouldn't qualify in most churches to be a pastor today? One, he only has three years of ministry experience. You at least have to have five. You know, he's single and he's 30. That's not a good thing. You know, and... And he doesn't have a proper seminary background. It's but when God calls you by his grace. See, one thing I want you to get. I battled things in my life. And I tried so hard to stop sinning. To live a pure life. And I found myself defeated over and over again. But when I realized God has accepted me as a son or as a daughter, everything began to change. That I didn't have to gain the approval of Christ anymore. And I began to live my life out of the approval. When I lived my life out of the approval, the desires for sinning, we're gone. I'm telling you, and when I didn't think I was good enough, God recorrected that statement that I was good enough because it's by his grace that he has called me and he has called you. You see, that's why it's good news. <laughs> it's because of Jesus Christ. I just want everybody to close their eyes here tonight.
when I was preparing this talk, God just spoke to me. He said, Andrew, there's some people that don't believe I'm real. He said, they don't believe that I want to have a true relationship with them. An intimate relationship with them. But I'll tell you, God's been pursuing you. There's a reason you came tonight. It wasn't because a friend invited you. It wasn't because you just said, hey, I'm coming tonight. No, God was knocking at your door. And if you're here tonight and you would say that you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you might have said a prayer before. You might have taken steps but they were a legalistic, religious type thing that you did. If tonight you're saying, God, I want to make you the Lord of my life. And not only that, that I want to have a relationship with you, with the living God. If that's you tonight, with all heads bowed, I just want you to raise your hand. If that's you tonight, thank you. I see your hand. Thank you. I want you to get eye contact with me. If that's eye contact, if that's you. Thank you. I see your hand. Thank you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. (laughs) Thank you, Lord. I have another just call tonight. If you've been living your life and just feeling like I'm not good enough. That you just seem like you've been in this trap and you can't break these sin things off of your life. It just keeps happening over and over again. You feel shame in your life. You feel like you're always swimming upstream. You cannot have those things, but you just feel like you're swimming upstream. You just can't fully make it. If tonight you're saying, God, I want to live my life from you. I want to live my life out of you. Lord, I want you to burn up any desires that are in my life. If that's you, I just want you to raise your hand in this room. Thank you. (laughs) There's hands all over the room. Thank you. If that's you, I just want you to stand tonight. If that's you again, I want you to stand. I'm going to do a corporate prayer tonight. Our worship team, they're going to be in the play. But I'm telling you, God has something that he wants to deposit in your life. Father, I thank you for every person here, Lord, the ones that you are rejoicing in heaven that gave their life to you tonight. Father, we thank you for them. We thank you for their step of obedience. But Lord, I lift up every single person in this room. Lord, you know the battles that have been going on in their mind, the troubles, the trials that have been taking place. Father, I ask for your spirit to begin to fall in this place. Your spirit begin to fall into their lives. Lord God, that they live their lives out of your throne, out of your waters. Lord, I speak life into them, Lord. It is you and you alone. You're the only one that can save. You're the only one that can free us, Lord God. And we give you the glory, Lord Jesus. So, Father, I lift up every person here. Lord, I ask that you begin to speak to them. God is good right now, I believe, going to begin to speak to some of you. He's been calling you for a long time. You're saying, I can't do it. I'm not good enough. But it's by him. Let God speak to you right now. I want to give you that moment.
God, what are you speaking to them? What are you calling them to do in their school, in their family, in DSM? Father, I thank you. I praise you. You are the living God, the one true God. And Lord, we commit tonight, DSM commits tonight that they will be fire and passion for you, that they will cry out to you, Lord God. Lord, I speak just a fire of burning just to begin to take place in a new way, this desire to know you, Lord, that when they go to their school, it's not just wrong going on, but Lord, you're going on. And there's a desire, a shift that takes place, Lord, a stirring that takes place out of Colorado Springs, Lord, that hits the U.S., Lord, that hits the nation. Father, we believe it. We're, it's all you, Lord. We give you the glory. If you agree, let's just give God a shout of praise tonight.